Today we are looking to complete our study of the Lord's Prayer, which positions us to wrap up this sermon series on prayer in general next week. And then God willing, in August, we will complete our sermon series on the Holy Spirit before returning to 1 Corinthians in the fall. This prayer that Jesus teaches us, the Lord's Prayer, it is a comprehensive prayer. You can find every right prayer in this. I've always taught my kids to pray in three ways. Thank you. I'm sorry. Please help. You find all of them right here. We have found what to do with our affections for God. We praise His name. We have found what to do with our needs. We ask for daily bread. We have found what to do with guilt, seeking and granting forgiveness. And now today, we find out what to do with exhaustion or our weaknesses, our wounds, our worries, in a word, our frailty. Our frailty as we face the Christian's constant battle against sin and evil. It is a problem within and it is a problem without. It is the wrong that I do and it is the wrong that is done to me and the wrong that is done around me. And it is for the Christian, now, it is a constant battle. Jesus has moved us from worship to surrender to dependence to forgiveness and now to deliverance. We need God to deliver us. We cannot deliver ourselves. We could not in the beginning of our Christian life deliver or save ourselves from sin and death. And even now as Christians, we cannot deliver ourselves from sin and evil. And so we come before God and ask Him, lead us not, we pray, into temptation but deliver us from evil. We'll look to understand this part of the Lord's Prayer this morning, and then I plan to give you three steps as we think about what this prayer looks like in our daily life. We need help this morning. We need help to understand God's Word. We need help to apply God's Word. And so as always... Let's pray. Please bow your heads with me. Our Father in heaven, give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear the truth of who we are and who you are, that we are a people in desperate need of your 
deliverance. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read together out loud this prayer. Matthew chapter 6, and beginning in the second part of verse 9 through verse 13, read it with me out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I thought if I paused, some of you would keep going. There's a conclusion that many of you have memorized. It's actually not found in the earliest manuscripts. So many translations, including the ESV, they have left it out. This portion of the prayer... Verse 13, you see, begins with the word, it's the first word, and, which links it, look back to verse 12. In these two verses, the prayer, that's you, the prayer moves from past sin to present and future sin, from Forgiveness of our past sin, which is like the curative medicine, and now to protection from future sin. That would be the preventative medicine. I have sinned, God forgive me. I may sin, God protect me, is the movement of this prayer. Here's how it works. Having, in verse 12... And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Having grasped forgiveness. Grasped it. Thought about it. Understood it. Applied it. Having grasped our forgiveness, our hearts are filled with gratitude. At least they should be. Our hearts are filled with gratitude, which then results in a desire to please God in all that we do. Not to get God to love us, but because He has loved us. And so we grasp forgiveness. That leads to a desire to please God in all that we do. And so the Christian hates sin. Not because of the consequences it brings to me, but because of the consequences it brings to God. It grieves His heart. I don't want to grieve God. I don't want to displease God. He has been so good and merciful to me, and so out of gratitude, I want to please Him. So I hate sin. And so we ask God here to keep us from it. We ask God to keep us from sin, to Deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Christian life is a constant battle against evil, isn't it? The evil that remains within 
and the evil that is without. And there are times and seasons, we are in one now, where we are reminded just how sinful and wicked the world around us is without God. Interestingly though, there have been, as you probably know, many Christians throughout history who have struggled with severe depression, who have felt the weight of this battle that is the Christian life. Many even contemplating, some even attempting suicide. Surprisingly, to some of you, I have found that most of them were pushed to that edge because of the evil they knew within, not the evil without. It is a constant battle for the Christian. Paul describes the Christian life as a fight in 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of the faith. And also in 1 Timothy 4.7, near the end of his life, I have, looking back, fought the good fight. And then in Ephesians 6.10 and 11, we read that the Christian life is a battle that requires us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the Christian life is a constant battle against sin and evil. And so we pray, O God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's consider this word, temptation. It's often misunderstood. This Greek word that is translated temptation in most of your Bibles, depending on where you find it in the Bible, it's also translated as the word trial. A trial and a temptation are closely linked. They are very similar. But, here's the difference. Let me try to give this to you in a nutshell. A temptation is ultimately from the devil. Satan is called the tempter. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. You remember when he came to Jesus and tempted him in the wilderness. And the goal of a temptation is your spiritual downfall. That is the goal of a temptation. It is your spiritual downfall. Tempting, Christian, seeks to seduce you into sin. So God, you should be ahead of me at this point, does not tempt believers. God does not try to seduce His people into sin. James 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God 
cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Think about it. God has nothing sinful in him to seduce believers with. 1 John 1.5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So a temptation is from the devil and its goal is your spiritual downfall. A trial is from God. A trial is from God. God may, by His providence, bring a difficult circumstance into your life. Or we maybe should say, God will bring a difficult circumstance into your life. If you read the Bible, or if you know God's people, you know that God has done this with virtually every one of His children. And the goal of a trial is not your spiritual downfall, The goal is your spiritual growth. It produces steadfastness, according to James 1.3. And praise and glory and honor, according to 1 Peter 1.7. And maturing or refining, according to Isaiah 48.10. Behold, I have refined you. But not as silver, I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. So again, a temptation is from the devil and its goal is your spiritual downfall. A trial is from God and its goal is your spiritual growth. Now, grasp this if you can. It can be the very same experience. It can be the very same experience, this thing that you're going through. It may be both a temptation and a trial. In other words, from the devil's perspective, it is a wicked temptation that may lead to your downfall. From God's perspective, it is a perfectly crafted trial that if you are a believer, will lead to your spiritual growth. So let's go back now to the verse. And I want to give you three biblically practical steps as you apply this, as you pray regarding temptations and evil. Step one is here. Pray, lead us not into temptation. Or lead me not into temptation. In other words, remove it. That's the prayer. Remove this temptation. That is a biblically legitimate prayer. God, 
Remove this temptation. Take it away. Weaken it. Keep me from it. God, keep me out of hot water. Those of you who have boring testimonies, God has answered that prayer in your life. Graciously. We know our frailty. We know our depravity. We know our remaining sin. The flesh. We know that we are weak. Don't we? We know that we are weak and so we pray that God would keep us from difficult circumstances that could possibly result in sin. We know Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We would never tell someone to follow their heart. We know Mark 7.21-23 through 23, For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. We can't have pride here when facing temptation that says, I got this. That says, I can handle this. No, there, but for the grace of God, go I. We know what happens when our sinful desire meet a temptation. My flesh never met a temptation it didn't like. James 1.14 each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, not by this thing out here, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The great Octavius Winslow, he wrote, This petition is a prayer that God would, by His providence, keep His child out of the way of temptation. My Father, consign me to no place in which I may be tempted to sin against you, to dishonor the name of Jesus, to grieve the Holy Spirit, and to bring discredit upon my Christian profession. Lord, keep me, fence me, surround me, that having been washed clean, I may tread no path, be placed in no position whereby I may be exposed to the power of temptations which I cannot evade, whose strength I cannot resist, and thus relapse from my high and holy walk with you. So, in light of my known sinfulness, I ask God to keep me out of trouble. So go ahead and pray for the removal 
of temptations. God, lead us not into temptation. Step one. Step two. It is the second part of this verse. We should also pray, deliver us from evil. In other words, God, if you don't remove it, rescue me from it. Give me the strength to overcome it. So some temptations God removes. He just keeps them from you. Other temptations He allows. And now here you are, and you're being lured by your own sinful desire. God, deliver me from this evil. Give me the strength to win this battle. Give me the strength to overcome it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Well, what is a way of escape? Get down on your knees and pray, God, deliver me from this evil. Because 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. That is in God's, it is well within God's wheelhouse. He doesn't fret, he's not writhing his hands. He's not confused. He's not uncertain. He's not sure how to get you out of this mess that you have gotten yourself into. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And He will. John Stott writes, perhaps we could paraphrase the whole request as, do not allow us so to be led into temptation that it overwhelms us, but rescue us from the evil one. So behind these words that Jesus gave us to pray are the implications that the devil is too strong for us, that we are too weak to stand up to him, but that our heavenly Father will deliver us if we call upon him. This is a great power that is against you, but there is a greater power that is within you. And so we call on Jesus to deliver us from evil, knowing, 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. John 17, 15, Jesus prayed, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Step one, pray, lead us not into temptation. Step two, pray, 
deliver us from evil. Now, step three comes after. That's why I'm thinking of these as steps. It comes after the removal of a temptation. Or it comes after the rescue from evil. Step three, express gratitude to God for His deliverance. Do not take any credit. But express gratitude to God for His deliverance. Should God allow it, which He may, even though you pray, lead me not into temptation, should God allow it and then give you a way out and uphold you, you should count it joy. You should be thankful for the trial and God's delivering of you. James 1, verse 2 and 3, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in this you rejoice in what? Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that, and this is why you can rejoice in them. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You will be faithful at the end of this trial. Your faith will be proven as genuine. You will know that is not of yourself. And when you see Jesus, you will be filled with more praise and honor for His name. And so God will be glorified. And you will be made joyful. So we pray for God to keep us out of trouble. If we end up in trouble, we pray for God to get us out of trouble. But all of these prayers, remember even in this Lord's Prayer, all these prayers are in submission to His will. We've already prayed that. Not my will but yours be done. And now we pray, keep me out of trouble. Get me out of trouble. But what have we already prayed? But God, your will, not mine. If you mean to bring me into this trial, bring me into this trial. If you have me wrestle here for longer than I'd like, what have we already prayed? Your will be done. We know that God will do what is best. Again, Mr. Winslow wrote, 
Thus, in all our temptations and trials, we trace His wisdom in ordaining, His sovereignty in permitting, His power in controlling, His faithfulness in directing, and His love in soothing us. And Jesus, the tried stone, He becomes better known and more intensely endeared in one fiery temptation, in one severe trial perhaps, in all the passing events of our history combined. We come to know Jesus through these trials. We come to have greater love for Jesus through these trials. So, as we face the constant battle that is the Christian life, the evil within and the evil without, the effects of sin in this world, we pray. The evil within my own heart. Your own heart. That you're faced with. That you're grieved over. The sins that you hold on to. The sins that you give into. The sins that are still hanging on. And you long for the day when... It will be completely and totally removed in glory and you will be made an even newer creature that is incapable of sin. So you pray, God, keep me from temptation. Deliver me from this evil within. But it's not just sin and the effects of sin within. It's the sin and the effects of sin around us. We see it in our family. We see it in our church family. We see sin and what it's doing to individuals or what it's doing to families and we pray. Or we see the effects of sin in this sinful world. Like disease. Like car accidents. Like brain trauma and we pray God deliver us from evil or we think about the chaos and the division that is our state that is our local community even that certainly is our nation the division, the political greed, the thirst for power and control, the racism. So many examples that we have. More examples than I can think of in my lifetime. 43 years. And so we pray, 
Not only pray, but we pray, God, deliver us from evil. God, lead us not into temptation. God, deliver us from evil. And when we see these temptations removed, when we see us rescued from evil, we express our gratitude to Him. In conclusion, take a step back with me now. Taking in this 13th verse, taking in this part of the Lord's Prayer and the words of this sermon that have been good and helpful, what are we doing? Let's look at this zoomed out from a high level, looking at the big picture. I mean, what is actually happening here? What are we doing through this prayer? This is what I think. We we are, in this prayer, we are acknowledging that God has us by the hand. Or we would not pray this way. Keep me out of this trouble. If I get in the trouble, get me out of this trouble. If you keep me from this trouble, get me out of this trouble. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to give you the praise. God, don't, don't take me there. God, get me out of here. And what happens as you pray this way? And what happens as you walk with God this way? Your grip tightens and your trust deepens. Because God leads us not into temptation, or when He does, He leads us out of temptation and He delivers us from evil. And one day when you die, He will certainly and finally deliver you from all evil forever. And so as we walk with God in this way, our grip, it tightens as He leads us by the hand and our trust in Him deepens because He proves Himself over and over and over. You realize that God has never failed you. Not once. Who can that be said of? I've failed myself over and over again. My wife, she would understand this statement. I wouldn't just say it at the service. She is not attending, but she has failed me. My children have failed me. You have failed me, I'm sure. My closest friends have failed me. Our leaders have failed me. I mean, everyone fails me except for God. Not once. And so we will not be overcome. We will not slip. This is the way the Bible describes this walk with God. We will not slip. We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not be lost. We will not be forgotten. This is describing your walk with God. And so as the ESV study Bible puts it, the best protection 
from sin and temptation is to turn to God and to depend on His direction, which is what we do when we pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now let me close with these three verses, or three sets of verses found in three different places in the book of Psalms. And I'd ask you to just listen and think about and picture the Lord's leading described here. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though, and here's a description of what's happening today, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not fear, for our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And finally, you know it, Psalm 23. The shepherd leading the sheep. Verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, we pray. Keep us from it. Remove it. But God, your will be done. If you choose to bring us into trial, we know that you will bring us through that trial. And so God, we pray, deliver us from this evil. And God, we count it all joy, the trials you've already brought us through. We know that you are our good shepherd and you lead us by the hand. We know that because you're right at our side, we will not be shaken. Our feet won't slip. We won't be moved, lost, or forgotten. And so we give you all praise and glory and honor. We pray this in this way in Jesus' name. Amen.